This podcast is brought to you by A Copy Match. A Copy Match is a boutique matchmaking service that helps exceptional singles find meaningful connections and relationships. To learn more about our matchmaking services, online dating makeovers and takeovers, or to enroll in an upcoming group coaching intensive, go to agopymatch.com. Welcome to Ask a Matchmaker. I'm your host, Matchmaker Maria. For over a decade, I have combined four generations of family matchmaking tradition with modern relationship psychology, behavioral science, and dating trends. With this unique expertise, each week I bring a guest on to talk about dating and relationships while answering your questions. You can ask a question by visiting askamatchmaker.com. This week's guest is Katie Murphy. Katie Murphy is one of my friends and I have called on Katie to this week's episode because we are going to be reading some of your closure letters. Katie, welcome to Ask a Matchmaker. Hi, thank you for having me. You're welcome. I am excited. I have decided after the last Katie's closure episode that I think I would really love to keep inviting my girlfriends who are also single because you give a single woman's perspective. You know, I'm already married. You're single. It's a good mix. (laughs) And I'm here for it. I can definitely tell you all types of single woman (laughs) insights for sure. (laughs) And I was saying this to you before we started recording. I like, I don't, I don't understand why you're single sometimes because (laughs) I think you are like, if I were a man, or a woman who was a lesbian and you were a lesbian, but since we're both straight, I think, right? Are we both straight? It, you know, sometimes I like to think that I maybe just haven't met the right woman. Um, but until then, yes, I'm straight. In my mind, I think like if I were a man, I'd want to date Katie. Like what's going on here? Why are you? Anyway, it doesn't matter. I think, I think, I think wonder, a wonderful person will appear in your life soon and they are going to see what I see. And I'm so excited for you. Thank you. I'm excited too. I'm definitely a hopeful rom- romantic. I love that. So Katie, I want you to know that my husband and I vicariously lived COVID through your eyes in all of 2020. And I cannot wait for you to tell people what you did as a single woman, what you did in 2020, because your Instagram and more importantly, your Instagram stories were just incredible. So please share. Thank you. My COVID, my 2020 was definitely a little bit different than most people's. You know, while others were kind of staying in their house, trying to social distance, I was um, staying in a tent and socially distancing myself that way. Um, So my story goes, you know, I spent 16 years in New York City. And at the end of 2019, uh, there was a company that moved me down to Fort Myers, Florida for a new job. And I had been there for about four months before COVID hit. And once the pandemic um, began to set in, um, so we're just about a year out from that right now, you know, Literally. Um, yeah, the company was very quick to make some much needed cuts and they laid off about 300 people, me being one of them. So given that I was like in a new town and didn't know anybody. And to be honest, I really didn't like the town, uh, going from New York city to Fort Myers, Florida is definitely a huge culture shock. So I decided that, you know, I could either stay there and be miserable in this apartment and kind of just waste away my money paying rent when I didn't have any legitimate income coming in, or I could make a decision to do something. So I decided to do something and I broke the lease of my apartment 
threw all of my things into storage and packed my car up with camping gear. And I hit the road, not really knowing how long I would be on the road, having never camped in my adult life before, really just kind of uh, knowing that I, I needed to leave. When you left, had you camped before? I had not. The very first time that I slept in my tent um, was honestly the very first time that I set my tent up after I broke my lease. Um, before I, I officially set out on the road, I had only pitched my tent one time and it was in the courtyard of my apartment just to make sure I knew what I was doing, but I, I had never even slept in it before. And so wait, so did you, did you, I feel like, am I wrong here? Did you buy a car for this? I didn't. I bought a car because I moved to Florida to begin with. So obviously in Florida, you have to have a car to get around in particular Fort Myers. There's not really much in the way of public transportation. So a car was necessary. Okay. So you leave Florida and are you thinking to yourself, like, I'm just going to hit up, like what, what's the plan here? I mean, the first month that I was gone, I had like a loose plan because, you know, it being my first time, I was like, I don't want to go out there with no game plan. Um, that would be kind of crazy. But, you know, the great thing about doing what I did was really not having like a real schedule and not having a real agenda or calendar set and kind of just taking day things day by day. Um, so I went from Fort Myers up the East Coast and really just kind of visited with family up to New York and uh, spent about a week in New York City. And then once I left New York is really when the camping started. And I had made the decision to kind of travel through the middle of the country on my way out West. Um, And I had plans up until I think Kansas. And then after Kansas, I was like, once I get to Kansas, I'll need to regroup and figure out the next leg of the trip. I feel like once you hit Kansas, that is when everything (laughs) became that much more intense on your social media. Yeah. It's so weird. Like people, when I start talking about Kansas, people are like, I've never heard anyone talk about Kansas the way you talk about Kansas. Kansas is an incredibly surprisingly beautiful state with a lot of um, unexpected like geological formations and um, historical significance. There's a lot of black history that went on in like Topeka, Kansas um, in particular, and just uh, all throughout the state. And I think I'm having spent so much time in New York city, anywhere where it's flat and you can just see sky and it's just a huge, like wide open expanse is such a beautiful treat. And that is what Kansas is. It's nothing but wide open space. And then after Kansas, I feel like I started noticing you started hitting up like every national park. Yeah, um, it really started, I think a little bit before Kansas. So um, in the national park service system, right, there's what are a things that are officially classified as parks, um, but then there's national forests and national monuments and all of that. So I actually spent a lot of time in national forests as well. Um, But yeah, I think uh, on total throughout my trip, I hit up 16 actual national parks um, and I've got the patches to prove it. Do you have Um, the passports or just the patch? I'm a patch person. I'm going to take my patches and make like, um, you know, a punk rock, like DIY type of jean jacket. And I think it's going to be That's cool. Re- yeah. Really cool. I'm super excited about it. My laptop also has a few national park stickers on it. Like, yes, other people have startups. I'm like, this is, na- this is God's startup. Okay. <laughs> 
yeah um, but like public land is where it's at it really is you really it's just so majestic so yeah. I had so many questions for you during your trip that you would, you would kind of do an ask a matchmaker was ask Katie and you would (laughs) take on a lot of questions because, you know, I want the listeners to understand like, okay, pretend you're friends with Katie. Like I'm friends with Katie now. Katie is one of the first people I met when I moved to New York. Right. And that was because she was friends with my first roommate in New York. So she's seen me be single. She's seen me go through, what'd you call it before? A hoe phase. <laughs> yes. You've seen me get, you've seen me meet someone. You've seen me get married. You've seen, I've seen you get embarrassed when I was like, oh, you and my husband are both gators. <laughs> I am a Florida gator. You know, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I've always, I've always thought of you as Katie from Brooklyn, Katie from Brooklyn, Katie from Brooklyn. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, Katie is wearing hot pants and she's in the middle of a desert in Utah. And I was like, wait, what's happening here? And then I just had a flood of questions because it's not just like Katie's gone camping by herself, which is like a host of questions. Like, cause you did this for how long? I was out on the road for exactly four months, like to the date. So it's not just like watching you go camping for four months and like every day you're putting up stuff. It was also like, oh, this is during a pandemic and, oh, you're a woman. And, oh, like, you know, there's like a lot of other questions. So let me just ask you a few questions. Like, first of all, as a woman, did you feel safe? I did. I'm the type of person that just has my wits about me. Like I'm always very conscious of my surroundings. I think uh, a lot of women asked me this along my journey and some guys did too. And what I found along the way is that really what a lot of people ask me if like, if I feel safe is they're secretly asking me like if I had a gun and no, like I didn't have a gun with me, but like when I went to bed every night, like I definitely had a different type of weapon on every side of my air mattress. Um, whether, you and there's also things that are not weapons that can be turned into weapons. Like, you know, I have a metal hydro flask water bottle and, you know, hydro flask upside the head is not... How did you sleep? Like, I feel like I would have been terrified. I, mean, I don't know. You just have to have a talk with yourself, right? And not let your mind get the best of you because the reality of it is it's a, it's very unlikely that something's going to happen to you, whether it's another human that comes and is trying to mess with you, or if it's, you know, wildlife of some sort, the possibility is there, but it's just very slim. And I think, you know, when you have like those little frights, um, you just kind of have to sit yourself down and have a talk and be like, look, it really is the wind. It is not something that's stalking your tent in the middle of the night. There's very few um, animals out there that are predators like that. Um, Like bears generally don't have any interest in humans um, unless you have food. And I never had food in my tent. Um, same thing with, with big cats and things like that. So you used to camp in like random, like I remember I've, I, some of these images I will remember for the rest of my life. Cause they scared me. Like you weren't just on a campsite. Sometimes you'd be in the middle of nowhere, like Unabomber style. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The longer my trip went, the deeper I got into it, the more primitive my camp settings became. Um, So in the beginning, it was definitely like state parks and um, national parks. Um, But once you get out West, um, public lands kind of open up a bit more, you know, out West, they have BLM lands. So Bureau of Land Management lands, um, which is real primitive wilderness most of the time. Um, And a lot of times with BLM land, like you don't 
have to pay to get in. Uh, you don't have to pay to stay there. You can just kind of find a spot, throw up your tent, do your thing, leave the next day or in a few days if you want. But yeah, so now I generally prefer primitive camping. The more primitive it is, it means the less people there's going to be there. So the less drama you have to deal with, people playing music at night or just kind of going crazy when you're looking to have like, you know, your serene moment out in nature, um, you're able to have that in, in primitive setting. Okay. I think I just, I was going to ask like, what do you mean by primitive? But I think you described the setting of a campsite. Yeah. So what I mean by primitive, there's usually no utilities. So there's no running water. There's no electricity. Um, sometimes there will be like a vault toilet. Sometimes there's still picnic tables or campfire rings, uh, but sometimes there's not. And it will just be like an old uh, campfire ring that someone has put together with a bunch of rocks. And hopefully there's just a, a flat enough space for you to put your tent, but it, there's no real structure to it. Uh, there's no camp host to it. Uh, there's no one monitoring the, the situation, really. Um, you're just out there on your own. What time would you go to sleep? A lot of people think that camping is like, oh, you're out by the campfire, like drinking beers all night and like partying. No, and, like, I'm thinking you're sleeping stories. by 9 p.m. Like I'm thinking, yeah. oh, sun's gone down. I must go to sleep now. Yeah. I will say in Joshua Tree, I was most times in my tent by 6 p.m. It got dark that early and it got cold that early that I would uh -huh. be bundled up in my tent by 6 p.m. Yeah. Did you pass the time like reading books mostly, podcasts? Like what were you doing? Yeah, not podcasts, not music, because most times I didn't have any cell service. Um, so it would be books or it would just be catching up on all the sleep that I missed out on living in New York City for 16 years. <laughs> right, right. I hope that when this episode comes out, not only can people see your photos on your Instagram, which are just absolutely stunning, but I really want you to post some of your favorite thing that are not on your feet on your stories, especially that red dress calendar. <laughs> like she wore, she had this beautiful red dress, flowing red dress, and she would wear it at different places. And who is taking all these wonderful photos? Do you have a tripod? I have a tripod for my phone. Yeah. Just these incredible photos of her at different places wearing the red dress, including you. Did you go to the, in Utah at the salt? The Bonneville salt flats in Utah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that photo is just my favorite. It's so stunning. And then I feel like you ended your trip by going to one of the best geological, I don't know what the word is, uh, one of the best geological areas in the world at the wave. Oh my God. Which yes. I had never, like I go to national parks and I'm like, how did this escape from my like Tell me more about that. You have to post this more on your stories. Like all the photos you took that you didn't put on your feed, this has to be on your stories on the Wednesday this goes out or the Thursday yeah. this goes out because- I mean, I definitely have a, a phone full of photos. So if anyone's listening that has no idea what the wave is, it is a really unique geological formation in- northern Utah, like right on the uh, northern Arizona, right on the border of Utah. And it's managed by BLM. So managed by the Bureau of Land Management. And they only allow 20 people in per day. The first 10 slots, they lottery off online um, about three months ahead of time. And then the remaining 10 slots, you have to go in person to the visitor center the day before you want to go and just play your hand at this lottery. And I tried four times in three years to win this lottery. And finally, this time I went in person and 
they called my number and I like my jaw just hit the floor. Like I that could video not believe was, I watched that video like 50 times. <laughs> I showed it to my husband. I showed it to my parents. Like it's yeah. just, and I was like, wait, what is she happy about? And then the next day you start posting photos and I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. It's a, it's a really, really special place. And I totally understand why they only let 20 people in, um, each day. It's, it's so sensitive and so beautiful. Um, I hope that everybody gets to visit it one day. Um, impossible, but it, that like, to me, I was like looking at, it, I was like, this should be the front cover yeah. of America. Like it was just so it's like the photos you put were just so stunning. Yeah. And I really found that place falling down an Instagram rabbit hole one day, like years mm-hmm. ago. And that's what really set off my desire to be out in nature in particular in the desert is just this Instagram rabbit hole. One day I like found the wave. I found some other places and I was like, man, I really got to get out there. And, um, yeah, that's what really started uh, this desire. That's great. And I, I think ago. you manifested it. The fact that that was a desire, the fact that that's what took you out of the house and the fact yes. that that's towards the end of your four months. Yeah, girl, like you really don't understand. So I was, I only videoed the lottery when they were about to call the last number because I was like, oh, this is going to make such a great story that I've tried all these times. And again, I don't get it, but I'm telling you the, and they do a legit lottery with balls inside of the wheel and they turn it and they, they draw numbers that way. And so the last number is set to be called and I'm just sitting there and I'm just like 36 in my head, 36, 36, 36, which is, was my number that I had been assigned. And the ball comes out and, and she says it really quietly. She goes 36. And I, I like dropped my phone. I said, what? I said, can you say that again? And she goes 36. And I'm like, and I just, I like, I started crying. I'm about to start crying too. Cause I'm like looking around the room and I'm like, you guys don't understand. I was like, this isn't the first time I've been in this room. I have come to this room for three years in a row. And I've also tried online before and I've never won. And I'm here and it's this journey. And I was like, just speaking it in my head as the ball is like rolling around in the wheel and and it's it just all came together and the fact that it's like 36 just like references like my childhood like rap days of like the 36 chambers in Wu-Tang I was like it couldn't be more perfect that I win this way I love that I love that that happened to you and then suddenly you get offered a new job that brings you back to Florida, to Miami. <laughs> yeah. So when I was in Utah, I mean, I was looking for work along the, along the way, the entire time, um, I would set a one day aside to have what I call like an office day where I would go through my personal email. I would go through the job boards. I would take care of any bills that needed to be paid and things like that. And so I was looking for work along the way. And when I was in Utah, I interviewed with this company, we did two Zooms. And after these two Zooms, they made me an offer and I declined their offer because I was not ready to stop my journey. And they wanted me to start fairly immediately. Like they knew I was on my trip and they wanted me to basically be be in person in Miami a week later after making the offer. And I said, I said, I, I love the job. There's no red flags. I cannot do it. Cannot stop this trip. Like I'm not, I even told him, I said, I'm not even to California yet. Like I can't stop my trip. 
And the chairman of the board of directors called me the next day. And he said, is it the start date that we gave you? Is that the issue? And I said, at the end of the day, I said, it is. I just can't. I can't give this up yet. And he goes, I understand. He goes, I battle the same thing of being a free spirit and being a business person. He goes, so I understand where you're coming from. And if it takes a matter of waiting a few weeks for you, he goes, we would rather wait a few weeks for you because we really want you versus getting somebody immediately that we're just okay about. So they waited for me and I did kind of hightail it back to Florida or else I would probably still be on the road traveling around. Um, but yes, I, I'm now in Miami working with a nonprofit that supports the national parks here in Florida. And I mean, it's just full circle, all yeah. of it, like, and, and not just figuratively, but even literally, like literally you Florida, you did the national parks, you did burial of land management, you did all these things. And now you're back in Florida supporting national parks. And I think that is incredible. And I love, I, I, I hope that because they let you come back on your own terms, it tells me that this is a great place to work. I don't know if it is. I hope it is. You look happy. It just like, I think that that's great that the person that you, you know, that said, okay, I get it. Let's give you a few more weeks that I think that just says a lot about the company. Yeah, it really does. And, you know, we're still in a pandemic, so I haven't gotten to explore Miami probably as much as uh, I should have in the amount of time that I've been here. But um, I know things will get safer day by day and I can finally get out and explore the actual city. In the meantime, I'm happy spending as much time in the national parks that I'm helping and getting to know the swamp. I love that. Well, Katie, thank you so much for sharing your journey. I think, and I hope it gives someone some inspiration to you know whoever's had the travel bug to just fuck it put it all in storage get in a car and just do it yeah I really especially for the women listening like really say fuck it like go do it like if you've wanted to do something for a very long time stop getting held up by responsibility if you have the means to do it right now and you want to do it right now go do it. Don't worry about the future. The future will work itself out. I promise you it will. If you think it's scary and you don't want to go because you're scared of what you're going to find out there, I'm here to tell you the world is not as terrible and as scary as we have been led to believe that the world is a beautiful place. I believe that people are innately kind and that when you are out in the wilderness, that only intensifies because everybody understands that your survival depends on the next person. I love that. Katie, thank you so much for sharing about your wonderful journey. What we're here to do today is read someone's closure letter. I have a juicy one. I send it to you to read it. Are you ready to get started? Yes, absolutely. I'm here for this story. I just want to give some highlights because my story involves a lot. We're talking pandemic divorce, reigniting an old flame, cross-country lovers, and of course, gaslighting. So without further ado, I'll get right into it. My ex-husband left me for another woman last March 2020 after nine years of marriage. That's the least of this right now, which I found really surprising that 
the dissolution of her marriage was the least of her problems. But um, to get back to the story, I reconnected with an ex, the guy I dated before my soon-to-be ex-husband. He lives in Florida. We split the first time because of distance, and we both were young and felt like we needed physical, I think it means physical closeness, in order to be happy. We ended amicably and just stayed friends on Snapchat. He doesn't have any other social media, and I rarely post on Snapchat. His mom and I are friends on Facebook and Instagram. Somehow, a few months after my ex and I split, on hell, let's just call him that, sent me a picture from 11 years ago he had in his old Android phone he was using because he broke his iPhone. I replied to that text, and he never sent anything back. That was in late summer 2020. Then one day in September of 2020, he commented an old phrase him and I used to use on a snap. I posted about my run. I like to run. I replied and then we started talking. We both had ended relationships in 2020. My husband left in March and him and his fiance ended in May. They were together seven years total. She had a child from a previous relationship. He knew I had my daughter who is eight and he has no kids and has never been married. The old familiar loving feelings I had for him came back at lightning speed and I kept quiet about them. He texted me one night at 3 a.m. Florida time, 12 a.m. Cali time, after like two weeks of phone calls and FaceTime all day, every day. And all it said was this woman's name. I love you. My heart sank. I read the text and couldn't believe that he felt what I felt. I felt like I loved him too, and now I could say it to him too. I immediately FaceTimed him, and we talked about what he said, and we were both head over heels in excitement about being together again after 10 years apart. He promised the world, and after being left for someone else by my husband, of course I wanted to believe anything on hell promised, but I'm a realist and was skeptical. He talked about moving to California and getting a job here and being with me and wanting to start a family. I'm 38. He's 34. We met up in Oregon in October and had a great four days. Then about two weeks after that, he planned a 10-day trip to California to be with me. At that point, he was FaceTiming with my daughter because she kept seeing his name on my phone and even picked up the FaceTime one time when he called. They had a good little friendship going. He was very engaging with her and she liked him and thought he was funny. He asked her before he asked me if she would be okay with him asking me to be his girlfriend. She was so excited. I think she wanted me to be happy because she knew how crushed I was when her dad and I split and she saw her dad happy with his girlfriend and I think she wants the same for me. My daughter is very vocal and had expressed she wanted me to be happy like daddy. Back to Angel, he had a home and sold it in December with the intent to come and live and work in California. He came for 10 days, spent it with me and my daughter, and life was good. We had a great time. We got to experience each other day to day, which was fun. He went back home December 14th. His house sale closed December 17th, and he moved back in with his mom to save money and because he didn't see a point in renting or buying if he wasn't going to stay in Florida. Almost immediately, things changed. We went from FaceTime and cute spicy texts and calls to two phone calls a day and maybe two to three texts if I was lucky. We had also planned for him to come meet me in Texas, my hometown, for Christmas. He canceled on me the week of the trip, saying his mother was distraught over him traveling and maybe risking COVID and getting her sick. She is a breast cancer survivor. So I understood and said he should stay home and we were only going to see each other for three days anyway. Regardless of that, I got a gut-wrenching feeling that he had someone else. 
Me being who I am, I asked straight out and he said, there's no one else. I'm just not used to having so much communication with with someone because my prior relationship was so bad. I asked what had changed because two months prior, he was so about it and super open and communicative. And now I barely got anything from him. He couldn't explain it. Since December, we had three Sunday conversations. Sundays, I don't have my daughter. So it's the only days I could really talk where I questioned our relationship and what we were doing because I wasn't happy and he didn't seem happy anymore. Every time he assured me that he loved me and would talk me off the ledge when I was ready to break up. The conversations were very detailed on what I needed from him to be happy and to continue the relationship. And I asked him what he wanted as well. Things would change for like two days. And by change, I mean, I'd get an extra text here or there. I knew it was gone, but I held on. I even asked him to just let me go. And he would say, I can't. It's not what I want. I love you. In January, I booked tickets for me and my daughter to go see him for five days. I asked him if he was sure he wanted us to go before I booked. And he said, yes. The whole time, he never said he was excited for us to come or mention the trip at all. Fast forward to Super Bowl Sunday. We had another talk. I tried to break up with him again and again was talked off the ledge. He said, I don't know why I don't have it in me to give you what you want, but I know for a fact that I'm in love with you. I stayed again like an idiot, even though every fiber in my body was telling me to dump him. I told him, I feel like we should cancel this trip. You haven't even mentioned any excitement or anything about it. He said, of course, I'm excited. Of course, I want you guys here. Fast forward again to two boring, no substance FaceTimes a day and some random texts. The week of the trip is here. Valentine's Day, he called at 8.30 a.m. and we FaceTimed and then I didn't hear from him again until till February 15th. Again, this whole time I had a gut-wrenching anxiety. We were supposed to fly out on February 17th. His birthday was that week also. And on February 16th, he still hadn't asked what time we were coming in. He hasn't told me where we were staying and he didn't seem excited at all. I finally spoke to him seven hours before my daughter and I were supposed to get on a plane. And he told me the story about his brother's girlfriend having COVID and that his brother's his brother told his mom and she was super upset about us going. She knew we were coming for over a month, according to him, and that he was stressing out and felt like there was walls closing in on him. And while he's FaceTiming me, telling me all of this, he's frantically texting. I asked who he was texting and he said his brother to confront him about why he told their mom his girlfriend had COVID and got her all worked up again. Anyway, he said, I know this COVID story sounds fake and granted the way he delivered it, it sounded complete fake. And I 100% understand COVID scares and precautions because I'm not an inconsiderate jerk. I said it does. And it's really disappointing and inconsiderate that you're doing this seven hours before we're supposed to get on a plane. Anyway, the rest of the conversation was sad. He looked sad, but more worried than anything. And I cried. I couldn't believe what was happening. I gave him so many opportunities to say, yes, we should break up or come clean about whether or not he was interested and had found someone back home. He didn't. And we always promised we'd be honest with each other. He sent me three different Airbnb confirmations. None of them were actual confirmations. One was a screenshot of the point up to before payment. And to top it off, the dates were wrong. Finally, I told him, look. Taking my kid on this trip, I promised her, you're not welcome to be with us. 
Give me the Airbnb confirmation and I'll figure it out and pay you what it costs. To top it off, he hadn't said, I'm sorry, while we FaceTime. And I said, say you're sorry. And he said, I'm sorry. I didn't think you'd want an apology from me right now. I never meant to hurt you. I love you. My mind was blown. After every shitty thing he said and did that day, he was still saying, I love you. I said, you have a really fucked up way of loving people. I said, I'm disappointed and hurt and I have nothing else to say. And I hung up. He finally sent me a confirmation about 40 minutes after we hung up because I asked anything through text. The place was a completely different place from the two prior places he said we were staying at. The dates were we're still one day short and the timestamp for payment was about four minutes before he sent it to me. My heart sank this whole time. He hadn't booked a place. Then he wasted almost $600 to try to cover up his lie. I don't get it. It would have been easier for him to say, sorry, I fucked up. I never booked the place. Don't come. The next morning he texted me during the time I was supposed to be on a plane and said, I just got check-in instructions. I sent them over email. I didn't go and I didn't reply to his text. I explained to my daughter that we would not be talking to him anymore and that we were not going on the trip because it wasn't a good time. She was bummed and I made the next day super fun and she seemed to not care about the trip we were supposed to go on. I am in utter shock. That was the last text or communication I've had with him. He still follows me on Snapchat and looks at my stories, which I know doesn't mean shit, but it irritates me a little. His mom follows me on Facebook and Instagram and has been commenting on pictures since Friday. I finally told her we're not together anymore because I think that's what she's been trying to figure out. She said she was bummed about it and... We each said, have a great day, blah, blah. That was that. I don't know how people can be so dishonest and so cowardly. I'm referring to him, not his mom. I will say that I was relieved that it was over as crappy as it ended, but still, I did not deserve that. He's an asshole. I need to get saged. Please feel free to say this letter. Makes no sense. It's all a wildfire in my head. And I typed it as frantically as I thought about it. So I understand it might not make sense. I also have a little anxiousness submitting this because I feel like I'm being ugly by doing so, but I also feel I had to get it off my chest. I should have ran when my body and my heart were telling me to run. Girl, that was a lot. It was a lot. And you know, she is not alone in this. Like I've had this, I have not at this degree, but I've had this happen to me where you're talking to someone. Has this happened to you before? Oh girl. Yes. I was dating the worst gaslighter ever when I lived in New York and he was in Connecticut and I 100% knew he was cheating on me, Mm -hmm. but I could not get any evidence. I did not have hard evidence. It was just a feeling. Yeah. But I don't know if he's like cheating on her. I don't know that. I just know that like sometimes like I have been in a situation where the person is, is lying. Forget the yeah. gaslighting, just lying. Um, yeah. But tell me about the time that that guy cheated on you. Oh, I mean, to the point where like I, we were in my bedroom and I was like, you know, I really can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And he started crying oh like full blown sobbing. And I it just didn't. You. <laughs> yeah. Like he's like, I'm so sorry. And he was, um, he was in recovery. He's, he was, he had been a heroin addict. So mm-hmm. I kind of made, you know, some concessions about things. And I said, you know, he's still adjusting to the world outside. Like I'll give him some leeway, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he, he was a terrible person. <laughs> like recovery didn't help him in that regard. Like he was still a pretty terrible person. And yeah, I ended up getting into physical fights with other girls because of this guy. Oh God. I hate it when terrible men make us terrible. Yeah. 
I have been in a, not in this exact situation because this also involves her children, which is the cherry of it all. But, you know, I think what she described is something that happens to a lot of women where it's like the constant lying, Mm -hmm. the constant, you know, okay, here's a screenshot and the timestamps are off or the days are off. And a lot of this, you know, if she's wondering, she's listening and she's wondering, you know, clearly this person was wrong for me. Why did I give him so many chances? And it's because you don't want to bruise your ego more than it was bruised. And you just want the confirmation that you you want the affirmation. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, oh, it's going to get better. If I give him two more days, it's going to get better. If I give him two more days, it might get better. And it's, that's not, she mentioned that she's anxious and it's like, well, she admits that she's anxious submitting this. And listen, I'm so grateful that she did submit it because you know, so much of this is not her fault. Absolutely. Now, now that she's had this though, you know, what are the lessons here? And in my mind, it's like, okay, you have a daughter. Don't let the guy talk to your daughter unless you're in the legitimate, you know, I don't know, over six month relationship where you see each other multiple times a week. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. You know, when I read this letter, you know, prior to getting on the call with you, that's one of those, the things that like, stuck out to me because, you know, I'm not a mother, but I feel like regardless of how I feel about a man, like, and whatever's promised at the end of the day, when, when it's a long distance relationship, I think that that changes things a little bit, right? Because there's so much that can change so quickly. Um, like this instance in particular, like everything was going really, really great until it wasn't. So when someone is in a long distance relationship and they have children, do you recommend like keeping the kids out of things until, because I know that you're really big with long distance relationships about talking about the future and at some point discussing your plans to at some point live in the same city. Mm -hmm. Do you recommend keeping the kids out of it until conversations about moving to the same city get a bit more serious or what does that timeline look like? I think that there's a missing question. It's like, should there be a long distance relationship if you have kids? And and in my mind where I think commuter relationship, yes, long distance relationship, no, because you're getting really emotionally attached to someone and you're distracted by them when you have another responsibility and they need your emotional guidance, uh, you know, in their life. And what I mean by commuter distance is uh, two hours, like look at where you live, two hour radius around that location. Mm-hmm. That, that's the distance you should, you should date in, not just for you, but even your partner, mm-hmm. your, your ex-partner who you're probably co-parenting with, they probably don't want you to move across the country either. <laughs> So this is, this is what I was thinking while I was like, this is a really long distance relationship. You know, we're talking about California to Florida. Yeah. Any farther, you're just coming back (laughs) and it's tough. And it's tough because, you know, you're excited and not just her, but him, you're excited by the expectation. And then eventually does reality meet that expectation? And I think I, I don't just want to speak for myself, but I'm going to tell you that there are going to be other people who listen to this, who have, who have spoken to someone over the phone more than they should have, who have fallen in love with someone over the phone that they shouldn't have. And then eventually what happens because you're not seeing each other every day, because you don't see the day to day, because you're not um, sharing in the most mundane moments ever on a multi-day in the week basis. That's why I say a two hour radius because two hour radius means that you could spend at least the whole weekend together, Mm -hmm. you know, Friday to Sunday. That's easy. 
But when you're that far apart, suddenly you're falling in love and that's a real thing. But then I'm not saying you get bored, mm-hmm. but at some point there's going to be somebody else who's going to be stroking your ego with your fun stories that you have in the beginning of any relationship, because you're not having the sex and you're not having these mundane moments and let's not yeah. have movie night and ice cream night or whatever to like, what is it called? Like glue a relationship together. Mm-hmm. There's dating, which is what she experienced. And then there's courting. Right. And then there's a relationship and there is, she started dating someone and then it got kind of boring during the courting period where they started drifting apart and then there was no relationship. And so, so the kid thing kind of throws me off a little because it's like, Ooh, this is a very long distance. And I don't think, you know, I, I'm a parent. I, as a parent to another, I don't, I don't want your hurt child to be attached to someone that's only that is going to make her mother sad at the end Mm -hmm. of the day. The second thing that made my eyebrows raise is that she still has him and his mom on social media. Yeah. And so if you're hearing this right now, not just the person who sent this in, but any person fell in love with someone long distance and they, and then it fizzled out. Anyone who relates to the story, I need you to give yourself permission to let them go. I need you to open up your social media apps right now and block them. They're nothing. It doesn't matter. And I think sometimes we hold on to it for a variety of reasons. You want to, it's usually the reason, and if I'm right, you better delete it. (laughs) But the reason most people hold on to someone on social media is because you want to show them, look how beautiful I am. Look how happy I am. This could have been with you. Am I wrong? Absolutely. There's always that beginning revenge post. Oh yeah. Where you're on a trip or you've, you know, hit the gym a few times and you're feeling yourself, you got a new haircut. Like there's always that something where you post and with the intent of I'm going to stick it to this person, like they are going to regret leaving me. You could have been happy with me. And, uh, but no, you just, you know what, guess what? He does not give a shit about you. I I also want to say this, right? I work in marketing communications and I've just been personally very deep in social media my entire life, ever since social media became a thing. It is a red flag when a grown ass man only has Snapchat. Snapchat does not provide anything of substance right? Like even TikTok, like a a lot of people think TikTok is stupid dances. It's not. There's a lot of really creative things going on on TikTok. Snapchat is just nothing but dribble. There's no reason an adult person should be on Snapchat and in particular only on Snapchat. It's a huge red flag to me. All right. Well, thank you so much, Katie, for joining me on Ask a Matchmaker. It has been my pleasure. I love talking with you. And as long as that closure letter was today, it was, it was really intense. Like I was listening and like, I mean, I was reading it along with you, but like, I was just thinking like, oh my God, I've been in this situation without the kid, but I've been in the situation where you're just like, and it was, I remember um, like I was younger and I was like, I was in my twenties. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking like, well, aren't we supposed to go on this trip together? When are we going? And it was like a screenshot of like the kayak planes. And I'm like, okay, where's the tickets? Where are the tickets? 
where's the credit card receipt? And he Show said, me the receipt. And he said something like, oh, my credit card's not working right now. And my dumb ass is like, oh, it's not working right now. Like, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you offer to pay for them? No. I see. I'm the I'm the type of ding dong that'd be like, "Oh, your credit card's not working. I'll pay for it. You know and what? You just pay me back." Now that you said that, holy shit! Yes, I did. <laughs> holy shit! Like, oh my god! I think I've repressed these memories. What have you done, Katie? <laughs> oh my god! And I remember he made me pay for the hotel. When we got to the hotel, his card wouldn't like work again. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, what's happening? And I put my card down thinking, he said, I'm going to pay you back tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And he did it. And then I remember like at the time I, this is, this is when I had no job. This is when I was a college student. Mm -hmm. And I remember like, I was like, okay, I got to find this money asking for a friend. Hey, I don't have money to pay. Like I need it. I need money. Like I don't have money to do my shit. And I remember asking her for 200 euros, which is a lot of money. Yeah, it's a lot of money. When you're I mean, in your 20s. <laughs> I think it's a lot. Girl, I am cheap. I think that's a lot of money today. It was a lot of money. And so I remember like, I gave her the money back in installments over six months. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I have repressed this memory. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did that to you. <laughs> it's not you, but it's, you know, it just, but then again, there you go. That, that There you go though. Like, it's not, this is not, like, I just think about like, this hasn't happened. That has happened only only once, mm-hmm. but I, the lying and the, and not only just the lying, even just the natural sense of I falling in love with someone who lives really far away. Like I yeah. like, I love that people like when the press or on other podcast interviews, people like to look at my relationship and say, look, a long distance relationship that worked. Yeah. But I met George in person the first time. Mm-hmm. And while we did our first two dates in person, so I saw him over three days. I know the day I met him day one, the date one, the next day and date mm-hmm. two, the following, right? So over three days, I got to know him in person. He mm-hmm. left for Christmas vacation for two weeks to go see his family in Greece. Mm-hmm. He fell in love in that period right there. But guess yeah. what? When he returned back to the United States, he didn't go to Boston. He went to Boston, he immediately took a train to New York. So he saw me again. And mm-hmm. then after that, we were together three. If like the way we did it the first two years was I would go up for 10 days and I would stay in Boston for 10 days. I'd mm-hmm. come back on a Monday and then he'd be back Friday to Sunday for the next two weeks. It would be essentially 10 days plus three plus three. So 16 mm-hmm. days together. So Mm -hmm. how long distance was it? Because most long distance relationships are, oh, I see you for a weekend once a month. And so, you know, commuter relationship, I know for kids, I said two hours. If you don't have kids, make it four hours. Yeah. Four hours is not a lot. It's not a lot. And it, you know, it gives you so much more options. Like if you are just really wanting to see someone, you can do it fairly easily and cheaply. You know, you don't have to hop on a plane. You can just drive there. It's great. $20 bus rides to Boston. Like if you're in New York, you should be open to Philly. You should be open to DC. You should be open to to Boston. Now, if you don't want to be open to Rhode Island, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, That's understandable. I have have nothing against Rhode Island. I love people from Rhode Island, but, um, but you know what I mean? Like you should be open to a four hour range. If you don't have children, if you have a children, I would stick to two hours and under, um, just, just because it's, it, it does take an emotional toll to, to travel that much. Take it from me. But because of your story with how you met your husband, I just want to give a shout out 
to meeting people in December, right before the holidays, because I'm telling you something similar happened to me. I met a guy in early December. He, it was not a true long distance relationship. He was just up in Westchester, but you know, I always went back to Florida for Christmas. So we didn't see each other after the first day we met for like a month, but in that month we talked and talked and talked and we just really got to know each other. And by the time our first date actually came around, like we were just like, we were there, we were connected. Yeah. I will say right now have new dating advice. I'm going to unleash it right now. The most happening place to meet someone in 2021. Do you know what it is? I'm dying to know this This because I'm on the hunt. Post vaccine world. The most happening place to meet someone birthday parties. Oh, I am telling you, you better get everyone who has a birthday May 1st to the rest of the year, write it down and ask them, are you doing something? Are you doing a post-vaccine party? Can I come start going to birthday parties? Let me tell you. And let's, can we normalize asking to be invited to things? Like don't sit around waiting to get invited, like invite yourself, like get clearance from the host. Sure. But like plant that seed. Yeah. I love asking people, Hey, can I do this? And I still do it. And I think that the best way you're going to meet someone in 2021 post vaccine is birthday parties this year. I'm telling you, it's going to be the lit place. I don't know if that's the right lingo, but that is the place that's, that is the spot birthday parties. I'm here for it. All right. Well, let's when's your birthday, Katie? Oh, July 15th. So so everyone should be vaccinated. Yeah. And that means your party, your birthday party has to be a friend of a friend party. If I invite you, you have to, if you're a woman, you have to bring bring a single straight man. Well, first I have to make friends down here in Miami. (laughs) Listen, I have a lot of Miami listeners. Okay. If you want to be friends with Katie, you hop on over to her Instagram. Where can people find you, Katie? It's Katie Wisdom, and that is wisdom with no O. So K-A-T-I-E-W-I-S-D-M. Great. And if you're in Miami or a single man and you want to meet Katie, but if you're a woman in Miami who wants to make an amazing new friend, highly recommend Katie. Check out her Instagram. I will leave a link to her Instagram in my episode notes. Katie, thank you again for coming to Ask a Matchmaker. I'm so happy you came today. Thank you so much for having me. I love you so much. I love you too. And thank you for, and oh, uh, and I should outro this show. <laughs> what the fuck is it? Oh, I hope he keeps this in, to be honest. <laughs> bloopers. BTS bloopers. And thank you for listening to Ask a Matchmaker. If you love what you heard and you have not already, follow this podcast, rate it, review it. And if you have a dating or relationship question, visit askamatchmaker.com to submit your 60 second audio question. And you know, we're going to have another closure episode in a few weeks. So if you have a closure or rant or whatever you need to get off your chest, again, go to askamatchmaker.com and submit it. You can also follow me on Instagram at matchmakermaria for more dating and relationship tips. Until then, be lovable and more importantly, be likable. See you next week.